You think that I'm running in place? Y'all really testing my patience. Right before I blow up the spot, I had to get back to the basics. What if my talent is wasted? You see, but I'm lacking the placement. Thoughts as I rap in the basement, but my come up is legend is greatness. Welcome, I'm here with Tom Reaper. I'm Dennis Postman. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. How you doing today? Really good, really good. And uh, I'm excited because I see what you're doing. Your content's really awesome. And I, I love like what I'm seeing about the first book. And I know there's another one coming out. So tell me a little bit about what you got going on. Yeah, so I'm the founder of a company called The Contractor Fight. We've um, been at this about a decade now. And I um, we we help build elite contractors, man. By And we start with helping them bring respect and dignity back to themselves and the trades and you know, we've got a crazy amount of free content out there. One of the top, uh, I don't know, depending on the day you run the stats, we're a top hundred podcast on entrepreneurship. You know, I know it changes all the time, but um, so that's going great. We've got an uh, amazing group of coaches and our fight team and this and that. We're just helping people get better, man. That's I love the story. And how did you, how did you get into, because I know a lot of contractors first mm-hmm. that it would really be beneficial to get involved with it how did you even get into that realm of of doing this yeah in 2012 um i my old partner bought me out of my painting company outside of chicago and i just i knew it was a new season in life and i just wanted to uh, we had built a successful company i just felt like there was something uh new and different and bigger for me. My, my uh, biggest thing is having an impact and I just felt I could have more of an impact. So I started speaking and, and coaching. And the next thing, you know, we got this thing called the contractor fight and uh, it's taken on a life of its own. And I, and I think the the biggest thing is um, we approach everything with the mindset first. Right. And I think that's one of the ways that we're, we're a lot different than uh, a lot of the really good programs that are even out there, but we, we really go after who you are as an individual, what's going on at home. You know, we have a mantra here, success starts at home. Uh, all of our events that people come to is spouse tickets are half price. Cause we want that connection for your spouses. It's not the event that everyone goes, gets drunk at and leaves their spouse at home. Right. So it's, yep. um, so I just think we, we do everything from that, that mindset, no pun intended. And, um, and it gets people huge results. You know, one of the, I'd say the thing that I'm most proud of is, you know, people will be like, Oh, I went from a $300,000 business to 2.7 in a year, right? Like shit like that's cool. But, um, uh, I love the messages that we get the dozens of messages we get, uh, probably per quarter is, uh, man, your, your content changed my life. It saved my marriage, helped me be a better dad, better husband, um, wife, whatever you want to call it. So that, that's what really fires us up over here at the fight. That's awesome. And that, yeah, once those monetary levels hit in a certain thing, you really figure out mm-hmm. that's, that actually leads right into my first question. What does success mean to you, Tom? You know, it, it's, um, I kind of have two answers and I'm going to blend them, okay. but okay. the first thing that came to mind was getting what you go after, right? Like, I just think if you get what you want, and I don't mean like a child, you know, having a childish attitude about it, but, um, you know, if, if you want to reach a certain milestone, you know, I think that's success. Um, but I would actually take it deeper than that. So that was the first thing, but what really is for me is fulfillment. I think knowing, um, that I'm, I'm just at peace with how I've chosen to show up each day 
you know, because a lot of times you can tie your success to the results. Like my first thought was there, like, are right. you getting what you want? Uh, but that doesn't mean you didn't, you, maybe you showed up in a great way consistently over a long period of time and you just didn't hit the goal at the time that you wanted to hit the goal. That doesn't necessarily mean you're not a success. Right. So, um, yeah, can I look in the mirror and, and know that I, can I high five myself and say, hey, good job today? Like that, yeah. that, that's success to me. That's awesome. That's, and what do you think some of the like one or two fundamentals are to, to really hit that level of success? Yeah, for, uh, now, we used to do this in our free Facebook group in the contractor fight. It's a private group. Uh, and Facebook shut this down because it said that we were bullying people. But we used to have people do what we call own your crap. To get in the group, you had to own your crap. Okay. And you had to share a character issue. Couldn't be like, I suck at marketing, right? That's a result of something. Um, but, you know, yeah. hey, I'm, I procrastinate when it comes to XYZ. Or I'm lazy. I hit my snooze button. You know, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, but so I, I think all success starts with just telling yourself the truth. Right. And so that's, you got to own your crap. Um, there's no progress without truth. And as a, uh, I think it's a, um, what's the band, uh, bring me the horizon. I don't know if any bring me horizon fans are out there, but they have a lyric in the song that, you know, that the truth will set you free, but it, but it's first going to piss you off. Yeah. And so, um, so that, that's always a fundamental thing here, uh, in, in my world is you got to own your crap. The second thing would be, um, and this is the title of the next book coming out called Win the Moments. You know, every moment we're compounding towards something or away from something that we want or don't want. And so you can't win the day if you can't win the moments throughout the day. And that's what the book is really about. So I think it's those those choices. James Clear, another great author. I don't know if Atomic Habits and stuff. I mean, he he was the first to talk about that every action you take in, in a moment is you're casting a vote for who you want to be in the future. And that that always resonated with me. Uh, so I think we have to pay attention to the moments. And then finally, you got to acknowledge and be okay with the fact that success is going to be inconvenient. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it just takes what it takes. It is what it is. Um, and I don't mean to be negative about that and just go, oh, it's always going to be a struggle to be successful, but don't be surprised when circumstances or field conditions change or, you know, your top employee leaves or, you know, you get a health diagnosis with one of your kids or like, and it's, there's always going to be something that's looking to knock you off your path. And, yeah. um, and I think we just have to be okay with that. I, I talk to a lot of people that are surprised by it because you see stuff on social media, man. Yeah. I, you know, we, you know, everyone's got the Ferraris and the jets and entrepreneurship is easy, right? Nobody ever shares their bloopers. So, yeah. um, but yeah, those, to me, those kind of are, are the three fundamentals, I guess, that, that stick with me. I, I always say the showpreneurs and that's, and yeah. that's so much that, you know, that's uh boy, if it was that way, the amount of years it takes to be that overnight success, right. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's um, I, I, I really value when, when people start talking about that and I love all of the things you just said with winning the moments and atomic habits. I mean, that's, you know, that's an amazing book. And that's, I yeah. like to win the moments. That's really, really, that's a good piece of advice. Um, so mm -hmm. what, what was life like growing up for you? Uh, my parents, my mom was 17 when I was born. My dad was about 20, a little, little younger than 20. Um, they were divorced when I was nine months or six months old. And as long as I can remember, I've had four parents. Uh, my two biological parents have since passed away. My mom two years ago, my dad about uh, 10 years ago, uh, both in the month of February too, which is kind of funny. Anyway, um, 
So it was really chaotic. There was a, now I want to be very clear. I was I was loved, and it was very clear that I loved. But we had a crazy, um, like alcohol and drugs and gambling, and every time I turn around, somebody in the family was going bankrupt. We never made a lot of money. Nobody in the family ever made probably more than forty, fifty grand a year. Um, and uh, and so you know, for me, it was just a lot of um, a lot of chaos and just trying to figure out um, how I fit into that. I was always um, torn between four parents. You know, in fact, in in the book, this is fresh in my mind. I wrote a I wrote a chapter about how um, what it was like growing up with four parents that you you only knew four parents. Do you know what I mean? So it was right. like, um, so on Mother's Day, who do you want to spend Mother's Day with? you're in the middle of that. Yeah. Uh, who do you want to spend time with on Christmas? Um, and the big thing I share about in the book, which uh, is the single biggest regret in my life was um, I didn't have all four of my parents walk with me on senior night, my senior year of football. Um, you know, they walk you down the track and you yeah, go yeah. and all that shit. I was so insecure. Uh, this is Wheaton, Illinois back in, in 1985, six, 86, I'm 53. Um, most of my parents had, or most of my friends had parents that were together. You know, my, my family was literally on the other side of the tracks, the blue collar family, divorce, alcohol, all that stuff going on. And I think part of me was embarrassed to have four parents. And it's the biggest regret of my life um, that if I could have one do over it, hands down, it would be going back and just being me and acknowledging this is just who I am. This is my life. This is the people that love me and care for me. And I made a choice and, uh, and I apologized to my mom and my stepdad for, I don't know how long I've been 30, 40 years since I've been out of high school now, whatever it is. So, what, I mean, that just speaks volumes for what you got going on mindset wise to have that reflection. And, uh, wow. (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah. powerful stuff. That's uh, th- that speaks volumes for sure. And I'm sure that we all have those moments that, you know, like that, that if we could just, um, especially you get into mindset and you start thinking the way through it and, and reverse connecting the dots. Um, yeah, that's, that's powerful. Well, well you- and it was a, it was a, you know, for me, it was a very, um, um, I just didn't know how to plant my flag and be me for most of my life because I, and this isn't blaming my parents, but this was a, uh, and I hate, part of me hates talking about this because I don't want to come across like I'm trying to play a victim card here, but I'm just saying I had been conditioned to keep the peace. And so even a decision like which parent is going to, which group of parents, both was never an option to me. Yeah. Like I never, it never crossed my mind that both sets of parents was an option in that situation. And so, cause I was so used to walk in the middle, um, you know, my first marriage, we were, we, we were uh, married a long time, built a family and stuff. And, you know, I look back at, um, how I showed up in that relationship. Like I, I never really planted my flag on my opinion. I was always trying to keep the Pete, which is crazy. Cause if you listen to my content, you'd think it's, you know, I'm in people's faces a lot with what I do now. And I think that's changed over the years. My confidence is through the roof. I know who I am. I know what I want, but I don't think I really ever hit that stride in life of knowing who I really was and that it's okay to advocate for what I want until I was probably in my forties. 
Well, I think that's a lot of inspiration for those listening. I think that's definitely not playing the victim card. I think mm-hmm. that shows what kind of work you've done and what time type of work you do for others to get past those limiting beliefs. Because we all have those in one spot or another. So I think that mm-hmm. that you know that gives you a lot of kudos for doing that work because um, sometimes that's a bitch to figure out. <laughs> it is, man. It's well, most of us, you know, I'm going through something now that uh, that I decided to put in the book, and I'm not through the other side of it yet. Okay. okay. And um, normally when you do a keynote or you write a book, you go, here's how I was screwed up. This is what I did about it. You can do it too. Right. You know, that whole thing. And I'm in the midst of just um, something that happened when I was nine years old. Long story short, I got my ass kicked and um, uh, neighborhood bully was um, uh, he was used to be a good friend of mine. Then we weren't friends for whatever reason. I was about nine years old challenged me to go to this place called Churchill and fight him every day. And I kept not going. And my dad caught wind of it, the blue collar, tatted up drinker, bar fighting guy, grabbed me, threw me in the car and drove me there. And I got my ass kicked. And, um, and I used to laugh about it. Like, yeah, my dad drove me to my first fight and I got my ass kicked. And just recently with one of my coaches that I work with, we were digging into why I continue to show up in my life with this major chip on my shoulder and kind of this anger. Yeah. And um, uh, I'll spare you the hour long conversation that we had and all the tears I had in the restaurant while we had it, but it was a, it was like a big aha moment that I create an enemy out of anyone and anything when things are going good. Like my marriage now with the, we call her the queen. Her name is Lee. You know, my wife, Lee, we're going great. And like an average of once a quarter, I just throw a grenade on it. Okay. And do and say something stupid or I'm mean or whatever. And so I called, you know, uh, Chris, Yo, we call him Yoda, my, my, uh, one of my coaches. And I said, dude, you know, he lives here in town by me. And I said, we got to get together. I got to figure out why I keep hurting the people I love the most. This was with business right. partners. It was my, my kids, my wife, my friends, my employees. Um, and it really stems from me knowing, like, I, I go back to that nine-year-old kid mm-hmm. on that hill who got his butt kicked because he wasn't prepared. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to fight. Um, he didn't know how to fight. And I feel I am, uh, I mean, dude, I, I've been pretty high testosterone life. If you want to come Marine Corps and some things there and, uh, you know, football, football coach for 17 years while I built companies. And uh, I have a company called the contractor fight. Like everything is a fight with me. And I'm like, and it stems back to the fact that I, I feel like that kid's a wuss Yeah, and I continue to have to prove. And that's why I'm never satisfied. And this is what I'm working through right now in my own um, sessions, if you want to call it that, but, but it's been eye-opening because the awareness around it, um, just in the last month or so, since I've been digging into this, just, I am so much lighter and the chip is a little smaller, just yeah. being aware that that kid didn't do anything wrong. All he did was obey his dad. Yeah. He got in the car. Yeah. And then he got out of the car while his dad sat there and smoked a cigarette and watched him get his ass kicked. So, um, so yeah, man, we're all messed up. At least yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so hard because it, it's a, you know, the properly orchestrated chip on the shoulder does mm-hmm. so much for so many people. So it's, it's really working through that, you know, um, you know, it's going to be exciting to see what comes out on the other side, because, it, you yeah. know, having that chip for so long, and I say everybody, you know, 
this is completely separate, but I think everybody needs their ass kicked. I think the biggest mm-hmm. problem. Yeah, I think the biggest problem in the world is is I, I know that um, not I enough spankings. That, yeah, the guy <laughs> Lopez said the one yeah. time is uh, you know I want to I want a book that called it's called I don't be, do business with somebody who hasn't been punched in the face mm-hmm. and it's you know it's really um, I, I had some friends like that growing up that you know just one time I had an older brother and we had some really good scuffles and I think yeah. of like um man everybody should get their ass kicked at least once and i'm sure i'm sure that you were on the other end of that many times but um it teaches us a lot and and i know that's not the point but but it's a a good chip on the shoulder can get us really far but you're working through that that's exciting to see that's well that's and that's one of the things we've been talking through is how it served me well up until now right right like it has served me really well um you know, made, made millions impact and hundreds of thousands of lives around the country with what we're doing in the fight. Like, and, and uh, I mean, dude, this chip, uh, even though I had some awareness around this, it was new year's Eve day and I'm sitting there on, we're in Scottsdale uh, you know, for a week there, we're hanging out, looking at homes and stuff. And I'm sitting on the couch um, the queen and a couple of our daughters went shopping on new year's Eve day. They were out of the house. I'm watching football and I'm closing I don't know. I, I probably closed uh, seven, eight deals of coaching packages on the last day of the year, you know, while I'm watching college football through DMS on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. And, and so that's where it serves me well. Like I run through the whistle, right? I play yeah. through the echo of the whistle. I run yeah. through the finish tape. I'm not coasting through the end of the year. So that's where it's always served me well, where it doesn't serve me well is how I make everyone and everything an adversary at some point. Right. And, and so Chris, who, who coaches me through this and, and has been in my corner for, for close to, I don't know, eight years now, he said, Tom, the irony of this next battle in your life that you have to face with this shit I'm going through is that it's all about making peace with, with yourself and the nine-year-old. Like, so the irony is this next battle is about making peace. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just yeah. a really crazy, um, so I don't know. I mean, maybe you know. Maybe I'll end up more jacked up on the other end of this. We'll see. I don't know. But I I don't mean that in a bad way. But I think no, it's good when you start looking at this. Goes back to owning your crap, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, and 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 here's one of the things I wrote that I'm writing writing for the new book here is for so many years I've been defending some of the shitty things. The example that my dad was mm-hmm. like I've been owning his crap if that makes sense. And this isn't my crap don't. And that's where like, I could just come out and go. The only thing I did was obeyed my dad. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are listening to this. that are beating themselves up for things that are not their responsibility. Okay. And even if it was your responsibility, when are you going to let that crap go? Yeah. You know, one of our daughters has bottomed out her car. She's got a Volkswagen, low profile Volkswagen, just demolished it going over a bump in our neighborhood. Right. And I, I was saying to my wife, I'm like, it's not like we're going to hold this over her head the rest of her life. You know what I mean? Right. She's like, I'm sorry. I was probably going too fast and blow up. and fine. It's done. Like move forward. Yeah. And so those listening guys, you got to let go of some of this stuff. And, um, and when you do like just in the month that I've been not even worked through this, but just aware of this, dude, right. I've seen my energy increase, my impact increase. I'm more confident i'm more light i'm just lighter as a person and so i encourage people like run into the punch with this stuff and, and deal with it 
I love that. Yeah, self forgiveness is a, it's a tough thing. It's mm -hmm. a tough pill to swallow. It, it 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 really is. It's it it's probably some of the most successful people I see. That's the hardest thing. That's the last yeah. thing that they gets them over that that big hump. So that's yeah, you're right. That's mm -hmm. so. Do you feel like now, Tom? Do you feel like you made it? <laughs> Not even close. Not even close, man. You know that. You know the answer to that. Hey, it's a true the same way, I do right? know that. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every, you know, every level you get to, it opens your eyes to a new level. And it, um, you know, I remember a time when I, I used to say, man, if I could just make 3,500 bucks a month, right. You know, and then whatever that number is. And I was just talking to a guy, uh, one of our clients in one of our programs today, he, he was lacking in some motivation. He's like, I said, well, paint a vision of what you want your business to look like in the next five years, like, you know, your life and this and that. And he started laughing. He's like, well, what's funny. He's, I mean, dude, he's got like gazillions under contract for building developments. He's got all these things going for, and he, he's only been in business five years. And he's like, if you were to ask me five years ago, I would say right now where I'm at now. Right. right. And my point here is, is every, you know, every level of success that we reach in our life, if you're a true high performer, I, tr I believe that it now becomes more about who I am and who I choose to be each day and how I want to show up regardless of the results, regardless yeah. of the industry. Like I could have a billion bucks in the bank in one industry, open a hot dog stand, and I'm going to bring that same effort and intensity to the hot dog stand, yes. no matter what I do and no matter what you do. Yeah. So, and that's what I talked to this guy about. And, and, um, you know, so I, no, I, I'm not even, I'm proud of what we've accomplished. Um, if anything, I'm kicking myself. This is because back to that self-forgiveness stuff, right? right. Um, that I didn't figure some of these things out sooner, uh, right? How much further ahead we'd be in life and our relationships and yeah. things like that. But you know, it is what it is and we have now. So, yeah. And that's just the, the learning lessons for those out there mm -hmm. listening is it and reading the learning lessons there are find ways to collapse time with coaches like you yeah with people like like that we can help them get to that point so it doesn't have to always be fortunately we're in a time now where people get to see more of this content and they get to see it mm -hmm. so they can collapse time a lot quicker right yeah. so used to be you know you'd find a good book and it'd take forever to find a good book and you'd be able to collapse a little bit of time but now you get to find out why am i reading this book why am i going after tom's content because of this so yeah what are some of the biggest adversaries that you had to overcome if we haven't went over them all? The, uh, by far the number one, uh, well, I used to think it was the number one. Now it might be this nine-year-old thing, but, um, <laughs> because I'm seeing how the nine-year-old thing contributes yep, yep. to what I'm about to say. Yeah. So I, uh, I literally rode the short bus and was in special ed for two years in grade school. And, uh, I was labeled as hyper. Um, you know, this is in the late, I was born in 69. So you're looking, you know, you know, mid seventies, second, third grade, somewhere in there. Um, and they like the teacher would go, Hey, nine times nine is 81. And I go, got it. And then I would just be move on because I would get it. And then I'd distract people. Right. <laughs> so, uh, they, so long story short is I thought I was stupid my whole life. I had this this just bad. I rode the sh literally rode the short bus. I was in special ed. Um, and, uh, I, um, and I took that, uh, I've never said this out loud since I figured out this nine-year-old 
getting my butt kicked thing. So I'm, I'm actually working through this right now with you. So yeah. I think both of those things fed off of each other right. to, to create an insecurity in me. I wouldn't speak my mind in relationships and in business partnerships and things like, because I was stupid. Uh, like it, that was always, that story was yeah. rolling around. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, your opinion doesn't matter. You, I, I never was a good arguer. I don't, are you married? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You ever have a, like an argument with your wife and then a day later you think of the perfect comeback. Okay. Like that's, that's me, right. I've never, I've never been really good in the moment. Yeah. And uh, so whatever, but I had all this baggage that I was stupid and that changed when I, um, <clears throat> number of years ago, I went to Cabo, a friend of mine um, invited me to be part of this um, fraternity event, a leadership event down in Cabo. And it was put on by a guy named Jerry Nelson, who was one of the founders of Ticketmaster. He dug, uh, uh, found water in, in uh, the desert. And now we have North Scottsdale, uh, Troon Golf, all these things. Jerry Nelson's a really good guy. Uh, is in the 90s now. And he put this event on. My buddy, uh, Greg, invited me to come be a part of it and be one of the breakout speakers two years in a row. And two years in a row, I lied to him. I said I had different plans. I couldn't go. And the reason was I thought I was stupid and this was a fraternity event bunch yeah. of smart college people. Right. And so dude, we, uh, so finally I'm like, I got to run into the punch on this one. I got to deal with this or I'm never going to get past this, this right. baggage of mine. Right. So I go down there and I walk into the room. There's probably a hundred guys in there and they got everyone's bios up on the wall and everyone's bio is like a book. And then mine's like a paragraph. So right out of the gate, it's like, you're stupid. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I get up, I do this, up. I do this, this talk. I don't even remember what it was about at the end of the day. Uh, the facilitator of the event goes, it was a week long event, but at the end of this first day says, Hey, all the speakers are going to be at a place throughout the compound or resort here. You can go meet the speakers and this and that. So I went out and bought a few buckets of beer you know, from the, from the bar, brought them over there. And out of the hundred attendees, I think I had about 40 of them at my table that came. And it was funny. They said, it's about time. And I took this as a compliment. They said, it's about time. A real person who's not so impressive is here to talk to us. (laughs) And so that was early in the week, by the end of the week, um, the board that puts this nonprofit on uh, that Jerry's on and some other guys, they're sitting around this big table uh, they invite me to come. They're like, Hey, you're new here. It's first year. Why don't you come? And we're just about out of there. And, um, and, and I'm, I'm condensing this story because there's a lot more funny things that happen, but we'll, we'll stick with this. Um, we're almost out of there. I haven't said a word. And, um, some, some guy owns this gargantuan lumber company goes, well, Tom's new at this event. And they were talking about how to market the event, get more college guys there. Basically, they wanted to have an impact in the world through leadership, right? right. And they're like, well, Tom's new. What's his take on this? And, um, and in about 45 seconds or so, because I knew everybody at the table like me is a high D on a disc. So you get to the point, you don't drag this shit on, right? You get to the point, you'd be brief, be bright and be gone, right? And um, And I just said, hey, if I were in charge of this, this is what I would do to market the event, get more eyeballs, get more college guys here next year and this and that. This other guy who ran it, some billionaire dude in the oil industry, turns to his assistant intern kid or whatever he was, and he goes, do we have the capability of doing everything he just said? And the kid goes, yeah, we can do that. And he goes, okay, let's do it. Meeting adjourned. And they all get up and walked away. So dude, this this was probably the biggest 
um, shift in my life moment ever, whatever you call that aha moment or whatever. Yeah. They all leave. I'm sitting at this big round table. Um, I stand up. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Cause they all just left. Yeah. And it's at Jerry Nelson. He, he sent sold it, but it was who his, his next door neighbors, like Sammy Hagar, you know, like it's right. We're looking the, the, uh, sea of Cortez. It was, it could have been on a movie. Cause it was it, like, it, the sun was going down. It was just like one of those perfect scenes. Yeah, right? right. Yeah. I stood up and I walked outside. I grabbed a Pacifico out of this cooler. I popped it. I took a sip and I, I, I swear, Dennis, I looked out I had tears rolling down my face and I, I, you know, you kind of talk between your teeth with some intensity, you know, and I just go, looks like you're not fucking stupid. And that one little moment was since then um, we've been on just a crazy trajectory because um, what I learned from this is, and I, when I speak and I tell this story you have to run into the punch, the thing you fear the most. I was afraid I was going to go there. I was going to be the fraud. I was going to be the right. guy that nobody respected because I didn't have the most impressive resume. And I rode the short bus. And you know, I, out of all the guys at the table at the time, I made the least amount of money. Like I, I knew the situation, Sure. Um, but I ran, I chose to run into the punch. I chose to go attack the thing that I knew I had to get through. And, um, and the result of it has been, it's just, um, Every area of my life is a thousand X because of that choice. And, um, and so I want to encourage people, like we all know what that thing is for us. The thing you've been putting off, the thing you don't want to deal with the conversation you don't want to have with your spouse or your business partner or something crap that you have to own in your own life or whatever it might be. Uh, but I want to encourage you to attack it, you know, back. I, I know I use the phrase run into a punch a lot, but like if, if we're fighting mm-hmm. and I go to punch you, and my punch gets to full force, it's going to hurt. Okay. Right. Just like yours would to me. However, if, if you're going to punch me and I close the distance and get closer to you, that punch never gets to full force. And that's how right. I try to deal with some of these things that we have to do in our own character and our own uh, success and personal development. That's actually really good advice. <laughs> actually, I've never heard it put like that. That's uh, how, what would you, what, like, what piece of advice would you get somebody who needs to run into the punch? I mean, how, how can you get them there? How can they get there if they're having trouble with that part? The, you know, if you asked me this a year ago, it's probably a different answer. You ask me a year from now, it's probably a different answer. The flavor of the month for me right now, I've been doing a lot of reading on this is this is the word necessity. Like, I, I think, you know, what, why do you have to succeed? What's at stake if you don't take some action? What's it, you know, if you don't attack this thing, what's at stake if you do? I mean, I, I heard something the other day, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but it was something along the lines of when you procrastinate, the price you're paying is who you could have been, you know? That's, and that's so, good. you know, even that, butchered, just, that's amazing. <laughs> I butchered it and it was amazing, right? It was way better when I heard it. And um, so when, when somebody's having a hard time uh, taking the action, you know, number one, you could Mel Robbins, the thing, you know, the five second rule, if right. you guys are familiar with that, the, the longer you give something time, the more it grows and gets bigger and scarier. So just take action. You know, you got a pissed off customer, pick the phone up right now when you think of their name and call them. Right. Um, you know, you need to apologize to your spouse or your coworker or a kid. And when you think of it, pick the phone up and call or go into their room or 
do whatever. So just, I think, develop that, that habit. But deeper than that, I think, is this whole necessity thing that um, there, there's a compounding effect th- of, you know, taking action and not taking action. And so I just think when you really get in touch with what's at stake, I don't know, that seems to work for me. I don't, I don't know. How about you? <laughs> I mean, I think that's great advice. I think that, you know, immediate action for me is always, I mean, I always, I, I we had a meeting this morning and I tell everybody, I said, you got paralysis analysis is a killer. You're going to end up negotiating with that terrorist in your yeah. head. So, you yeah. know, the, the biggest thing for me, and that's one of the beauty, beautiful things that I've always been at is, is I'll just go on. I, like you said, it, it kind of attack it. And it's always, it's always been a lot easier for me to just go out and go for it and have imperfect action mm-hmm. versus just sitting there. Like the longer I think about it, it doesn't get better. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think about it, like the action doesn't get better. It may be a, more, a little more educated, but it doesn't, it's better to just go for it. Like you said, and just uh, run into the punch. So I, I love that. And that's, uh, that's really good. So what, what drives you now, Tom? Uh, impact. Like impact. it's, it's, I just want to have an impact. I, I don't know where, where the root of it is. Maybe some shrink who's listening to this knows it's the nine-year-old issue. I don't know, whatever, but uh <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just want to know that, you know, I'm, my time here is worth it. Yeah. That's really what drives me. And um, it's why, I I mean, listen, I could have coasted through, and I'm not saying this to to brag, but I'm just saying I could have coasted through the last couple of weeks of the year, like a lot of people do plenty of money in the bank and we have a great successful company. Like I could have done, dude, I, I turned the, the heat on more during that last couple of weeks of the year when I was technically off. Yep. Right. And, and had crazy sales because of the impact I want to have in somebody's life and their family and their spouse and, and those things. So that's, I mean, I, I want to say it was like up to nine, nine 30 at night on new year's Eve, I was closing the last deal. Okay. And this isn't about closing deals guys. This is just about what, what's, why is it, why is it necessary that I bring somebody into one of our programs? Because I know what happens behind the curtain and under the hood over here when somebody comes in and, and, you know, if they're willing to put in the work and view things and see things a different way, I know what's on the other end of it for it. So that's the necessity part. And that's the impact. And getting them, yeah. And getting them started before the year's end, you know, they're right. going to hit the ground running at the beginning of the year. So mm-hmm. really it's all about, like you said, impact for them. So that's, that's very cool. So what does the average day consist of for you? <laughs> um, aside from what I call get oxygen every day. So I, I start my day, we, it's it's one of our values in the fight that you can't see over here, but, um, and this is about take care of you, right? This is success is an inside out game. Um, I'm only going to be my business and, and things like that will only be, only be as strong as I am. So if you picture a circle, if you drop, or if you drop a rock in the lake and where it hits, that's get oxygen. That's you, you are the center of the universe. The next ripple out is what I call your people. That's, you know, my wife, my kids, um, you know, my core fight team you know, and things like that. And then the next ring I call build your empire. That's your career. That's your business and things like that. And so, um, so I start with that, which, you know, reading, working out, you know, all that stuff, everybody does. And, um, and then I spend uh, last year, I made my right-hand guy, our CEO, I moved to a founder role. Cause I'm, I'm not a very good day-to-day manager. Um, and so that has given me a ton of bandwidth to write more, to create more content, um, to create better content, to have more time with 
uh, him, Neil is his name, our CEO. Uh, we have a ton of little, um, quick little vision meetings through the week where, you know, we throw a question of the day back to each other and things like that, just to get our minds thinking. And so, um, you know, that that's pretty much the, the average day. And then at some point the queen and I have some sort of a date, whether we're playing pool here at how at the house, or we go out and just, we're always getting time together. Um, awesome. like damn near every day is a date with us. That's awesome. That's yeah. something to strive for, for sure. That's so what, what do you say? Like if you have a naysayer or a hater, what do you, what's your reaction to them? Well, this is funny because I hear people talk about, you know, you got to ignore the haters. And if you don't have haters, you're not doing anything. You know, you ever heard that? And, yeah. And no, I don't yeah. even know if I have haters because I don't really pay attention. I, I just, I don't. Now, I would say naysayers. I, if I'm going to define naysayer, I think that's people that think you're full of shit. Yeah. You know, like, and we we say a lot of things in the fight that are very unorthodox in sales and profit margins and the ways to do businesses or do business and and how to approach things. To to those, I I don't pay much attention other than the fact that I just continue to work to have an impact, change lives and let the results call bullshit on them calling bullshit on us. You know, so one of the rules is like, and and this is unheard of in the contracting world for the most part, like uh, get a 50% gross profit margin on all your work. So if it costs you a buck, charge at least two. Well, most contractors are so jacked up. Most business owners are so jacked up when it comes to their money mindset and their value and what they're worth. And, um, you know, you don't have to win every project. You got to win the right ones. And, you know, we teach a sales process that's all rooted in like turbocharged pre-qualification. That's all about human connection. It has nothing to do with dealing with objections or making the case for why they should hire you. It's a true conversation that endears people to you. And that's why, you know, we have guys that go from 300 grand a year in their second, third year of business. And in one year, they go to 2.7. And the next year, this year, I'm thinking of the guy I'm thinking of just doing 3.5, 3.6, right? Just in a couple of years. Wow. Um, so that's what I say to the naysayers is just keep watching us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Let me show you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Watch this. I love it. Uh, what do you do to stay confident daily, Tom? Uh, the days I'm most confident are the days that I've honored the commitments I've made to myself, first and foremost. I know that that's, uh, I think I heard that from Ed Milet the first time yep. many years ago. Um, so I don't want to, it's not original to me, but it really resonated with me that, and the days that I'm, uh, you know, a feeble little dweeb are the days that I've usually um, not honored the commitments. I mean, it's really like, did I get up and did I go to the gym and do the workout I plan to do? Did I honor the commitments to be home at a certain time. Or, you know, I have a thing on my list here that talks about a certain number of outreaches for me to get speaking gigs every day that I do. And it's only two of them. But if I didn't do those, my confidence takes a hit. I always talk about, like, I think I'm a visual guy. So like confidence wall, like a wall, Mm -hmm. build your wall of confidence, right? Like every time you honor a commitment you make to yourself, you put a brick on it. Every time you don't, you hit it with a sledgehammer. Like it's just that you know, and it's our, it, and it's just, it's stacking those small compounding wins, winning the moments. And um, yeah, that's, that's what works for me. I really like that because I, so I wrote the positive edge, which is really about each positive moment, you know, adding it and it compounds. Yeah. And so that's, that's when I wrote that, that's exactly the same mentality. But the reason it's so important that I love about that very simple 
being, you know, doing what you say you're going to do to yourself is because really it programs your subconscious. That's, that's mm-hmm. what people don't, you know, the, the real in-depth, you know, brainy answer to that is your subconscious will knows that if you're lying to yourself, you're probably going to lie to others. Yeah. So your confidence <clears throat> just shoots down. So if you're not actually being that confident with your, if you're not confident in honoring your commitments to yourself, it knows that when you tell somebody else you're going to do something, it's just nothing. So uh, that's where uh, it, there's so much more in depth and it's such a simple way of looking at it and it works so well. It's just, yeah. I wish I, I, that if you know nothing else, that's the most important. <laughs> well, listen, you know, we, I work uh, a little bit of one-on-one I do. I work with some higher level CEOs and, and leaders and things like that. And, and shoot, this doesn't just apply to them, but anybody, like if a lot of guys confide in me and they're like, my wife doesn't, and I'll just speak to the guys here, right? My wife doesn't believe in me like she used to. She doesn't support the business like she used to. She's this, she's that. And when we start having a conversation with their actions and their commitments and how they're choosing to show up and being the example, it's really remarkable how quickly they realize, well, no wonder she doesn't support me. No wonder, because she thinks I'm full of shit. You know, she sees me blow the gym off. She yeah. sees me do this when I said I was going to do that or whatever it might be. I can't even get home for dinner on time. And I'd ask her to trust me with a new business deal, you know, and things like that. Yeah. So those of you that are letting, I deal with this a ton, deal yeah. with this a ton and working with entrepreneurs and business owners that the spouse, after a period of time, they just tap out. They think you're, they think you're full of crap and they don't trust you anymore. And they don't trust you because you don't keep the promises you make to yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you get it. I mean, I yeah, that, that, no, that's that great advice. That's, <laughs> if you could tell your, if you could tell yourself, uh, your 20 year old self, one sentence, what would it be? Start stacking the wins. You're not dumb. That's good. Hands down. Really? Like I, I thought I was dumb till I was 40. Wow. <laughs> and this was amidst growing, you know, successful businesses, being a decorated Marine. Like I did a lot of things, dude, that were impressive. Right. And I still never felt I was smart, intelligent, had what it takes that, that round table moment I was telling you about, like, I never would have believed I could hang with what I thought were the big dogs, right. Mm-hmm. With intellectually. And I went in there and dropped it in a minute or less. And you were like, that's great shit. Can we do that? You know? <laughs> and that was like a moment for me. So that's what I would tell the 20 year old. Like, I don't know if he would have believed me or not at that yeah. point in life, but that's what I'd tell him. Yeah. That's awesome. That's it's, that's why I say the problem is with cloning myself is the other one of me wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> so, what, what's your number one overall goal right now, Tom? <clears throat> I kind of touched on it earlier. It's to be who I'm meant to be and have the impact I was created to have and not waste my time here. That is 100%. Like, I want to be everything... I believe God's created me to be in life as a husband, as a friend, as a leader, um, you know, as a dad, all those things. That's awesome. So how important are mentors and coaches in your journey that you've had? You're asking a guy who runs a coaching company to answer this question. That's funny. yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, listen, I, I could go back to the biggest shifts I've ever had in my life. And the fastest shifts were when I hired a coach. Yeah. Um, you know, the first coach I hired cost, uh, I don't know, seven, eight, 900 bucks a month. And I thought I was going to go broke and yeah. I had no idea how I was going to do it. And that really changed the game and through the years. And, um, but 
you know, I, I, it's a huge priority in my life. Like if I want to learn something, I look for somebody who knows how to do it better and I hire them. And, um, you know, and if you're in a position where you can't hire them right now, I get that, but there's podcasts, there's books, there's, there's always, there's, you go to the library, you don't even have to buy the book, right? You go check the book out, you go on YouTube, you go. So I think, uh, it's first and foremost, of importance of anyone that wants to get better. I mean, you don't ever see an NFL team go out or a hockey team go out without a coach. Right. Right. Cause a coach can see things you can't see. That's exactly right. And I, the reason I asked somebody who has a coaching business is because they usually have went through so many coaches to get to where they are and they understand mm-hmm. the importance. And that's, so I get it 100%. And, and once you realize how far that'll take you so much quicker, mm-hmm. every time you, like you said, every time you see something that you don't know how to do, where can I, where can I get my answer as quick as possible? So yeah. yeah. Collapse time. So yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. What, what's the best advice that you've ever received? Um, my mom, um, she passed away a couple of years ago, but she was always big on reminding me to be me just be you, you, you being you is enough. And I don't think I ever believed it for a long time. And, um, and, you know, I've gotten a lot of great advice from a lot of great people over the years, but I just think the, the one that me ignoring that hurt me the most of the years was I wasn't being true to me. That's awesome. That's very true. I mean, look at, and look at what you can do. Yeah, that's true. That's good advice. Um, Anything that you'd like to share with everybody that you haven't shared already that they may not know about you? I don't know. I'm a pretty open book, man. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm known for being really open and transparent. I, I guess um, I, I bet I've talked about this, but I used to work as a musician. I played drums. I um, uh, did, you know, a little bit of studio work, used to gig five to six nights a week in different blues and funk bands and rock bands. And, um, and, you know, did that for a number of years and until I didn't, but, uh, right. yeah, so I was a working musician. Um, I got published in some stupid poetry book, like 35 years ago that I don't even remember the name of the poem. Um, I don't even have the book. Darn it. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, man. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, I, yeah, nothing other than that comes to mind. I don't think. All right. Awesome. Well, how, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, the contractor fight.com easiest way to do it or on Instagram at real Tom Reber. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for being a part of this. I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate your time. You got it, Dennis. Thanks, man. Thank you. Look, I am just a man on a mission. If I want it, then I get it. I go. And if you're trying to test me a beast, you gon' need Liam Neeson. The chance that you're taking is flagrant. You're testing your luck. If you think you make it out, then you're sadly mistaken.